Hey guys and welcome to the second episode of the Indian Hammers podcast. We have with us today Michael who is a West Ham supporter from the northeast of India. Michael, how are you today? Hey guys, uh feeling good being part of this podcast. It's a huge honor for me to be a part of this one. And I hope that I can give you some good content to listen to. So Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, your West Ham history, where you're from. and uh, generally how you came to support west ham uh, being from india right uh, okay so adoksh i think you're pretty uh, you might have actually seen this before like i've written some blog articles and i've had a certain story also about how i've become a west ham supporter but uh, since yeah. this is this is a bit of a scoop i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> no this sounds a bit uh ego to stick but yeah this is i'm since this is a one on one podcast i actually think i want to expand a little bit something that i've never actually said out yeah out loud um me becoming a west ham fan other than the stories that i have already said in terms of like uh, the actual events which are directly related to west ham yeah there's actually something else in involved which is personally really important to me uh you have to understand me when i was a kid growing up i was not the athletic type uh okay. when i was in school i was bloated in the sense yeah i was not re- i was not part of the sports teams and i was slow and i was i don't know this just generally not the guy you would pick first second or third on the team when you're splitting teams yeah so uh, when i started playing football i was actually i started out as a goalkeeper then moved on to left back then moved on to center back and then moved on to midfield and had a brief time as a winger as well <laughs> i am from mizoram by the way so i'm like you said earlier i'm from the northeast so i'm from mizoram which is uh, for the people who are not that familiar it's kind of like and this is going to sound a bit like i'm giving way too much plaudits but it's kind of true it's like the brazil or argentina of india that's true yeah yeah in the sense that the guys who come there are insanely naturally talented when it comes to football correct uh like uh, i rem- i heard your uh, podcast with tahir and he was also talking about goa and how it's such a hub of football it's true like goa kolkata are always the traditional hubs of football in india but the northeast is like this gem place like a place where all these people are they they, they literally they grow up with the ball at their feet yeah. like they play on the streets and stuff like that so but then the thing is when you have that you kind of have this feeling like okay when i started getting into football when i was in college I was never the guy who was picked first and all these other guys were so talented and they kind of also looked down on me when it came to this thing right I never could really get into it so once I actually started developing myself in different ways and started overcoming their expectations right there was a feeling of okay I'm the underdog in this situation and I need to prove myself yeah so that actually goes a lot into why I chose West Ham I think so you know in terms of me when I was doing like a self analysis I was thinking about it and there's a feeling that is un like incomparable when I started following football I didn't want to just pick a team just because they were successful or because they were the popular team or because everybody was into them I mean there's nothing wrong with it I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with anybody following a team for any particular reason okay. but yeah. I personally wanted to choose a team that I was you know I felt emotionally connected to so when west ham got promoted in the i think it was in the 5 6 season right when we went on that fa cup run yeah with uh, alan pardew in it 
was it the five six or four five season? I'm not a hundred percent sure anymore. But yeah, that that season, like that's when West Ham really caught my attention. I mean, I think by uh, De Canio is somebody that a lot of people from our generation knew. I mean, how could you not know him? He was like one of the mavericks. Everybody who watched Premier League knew about him. But then I never really followed West Ham then. I just thought he was a really good player. But then when West Ham got promoted and they started going on that FA Cup run, and plus we had, I think we had one of our highest ever finishes that year. That's when it started clicking in me. And I was like, oh, this team is really, this is like they're fighting against the odds. Yeah. And that, uh, and then I watched the FA Cup final. This was like, I had never watched an FA Cup final for a particular reason or a particular team before. <laughs> and this was me watching that. And oh my God, the, the roller coaster of emotions that night. And uh, Stevie G scored an absolute belter to finally, uh, you know, equalize the game at the end like he, like he's so well known to do. And then we finally lost in penalties. And uh, that was all so brilliant. And then the next season happened and with Tevez coming in, right? That's so right. the next season, Tevez and all came in and I was like, okay, so this team is already on my radar. And I was like, okay, this is something that I really want to look at how you see. And the beginning part of the season, like the first half was kind of disappointing. Like, we were losing, but there was also an element where I felt like, you know, there was a, there, there was like kind of like this ground level fight in and we were not getting the results, but there was, we were having a shit season and then suddenly Tevez went on that brilliant run and yeah. all of that came together. Yeah. And all of that came together, especially that last goal. Dude, I remember watching with my dad and I was like, oh my God, Manchester United, we were playing and yeah. we had to, win. Yeah. we had to win and Tevez did that and a lot of people say that that was skill but the honest thing is I think if you remember correctly there was a lot of luck in that last goal that he scored because <laughs> uh, the, the one where he kind of like it looked like he chipped the ball over the defender and he went and he smashed it in Correct. I, he didn't actually chip it over the defender he kind of like hit it and then it kind of like ricocheted over the Pushed defender out there. yeah yeah. yeah, but then yeah, that that was there, and that, that that completely like I was like, oh my god, this is yeah, this is my team, <laughs> and um, I also did some reading up, and I'm 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 a football lover, like I'm not saying that uh, other people are not football lovers, but I generally love the game, right? The the I love the sport, and I think it's as much an art as it is a sport. I love this game, and I love reading up on history. I love uh, reading up on different stuff regarding it, and. Uh, when I started looking at Bobby Moore, right, yeah. and all of the things that he had in before, like, and I was, I had so much respect for him. And um, I don't know whether you noticed, but a lot of the times when I have my jerseys on, especially the West Ham jerseys, I have a particular number that I choose, six. Yeah. And that's kind of like an homage to Bobby Moore. And uh, yeah, so that's, that, that. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't know this and I've, I've known you from the time we started the Indian Hammers. Now, this is what, six years ago now. <laughs> yeah. And six years, I mean, this is a scoop, like you're telling us. <laughs> for for all of us listening, I think with, within the Indian Hammers, uh, we've always heard your stories about the particular players and the particular instances which drew you towards West Ham. But we never knew that um, there, there was also this self-analysis of your personality and you matching it towards a particular football club at that particular point of time in your life, which yeah. quite honestly is incredible. And All uh, the stars aligned. <laughs> yeah, all the stars aligned and I'm glad uh, you weren't 
the athletic type in school because then probably <laughs> wouldn't have picked West Ham. You you would have gone for whoever else in the Premier League, and uh, well, probably the Indian Hammers wouldn't have had uh, had so many great moments that we've had. So, mm. like you said, all stars have aligned. But speaking of all stars aligning, you were speaking about the 2005-2006 FA Cup. Uh, like you mentioned, we were runners up. We were knocked out by. Uh, Stevie G and what is now known as the Gerard final, uh, <laughs> but quite honestly, it was uh, West Ham's final, wasn't it? Because yeah, um, we had shit seasons after that. We've had shit seasons before that, but for that one season, um, I think we finished ninth in the Premier League. Uh, we 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 made it to the finals of the FA Cup. We played at Wembley. We we rocked that game for. A majority of the ninety minutes, hmm. and how did it feel to not win the FA Cup? And now it's been fifteen years since then, and we still haven't won a major trophy. So, how does it feel looking back? No, so uh, there was like like it was a roller coaster of emotions, like I said before, and the minute it went into penalties, you kind of had this feeling that oh God, we're not. We don't look mentally strong enough to be yeah. able to get through this penalty thing, and I think if I remember correctly, we missed most of our penalties, and uh, uh, yeah, so that that actually, <laughs> yeah, we scored. Oh yeah, yeah, we did, we did. I think it was Zamora missed, Koshinsky missed, Ferdinand missed. Yeah, yeah, Bobby Z missed. Sheringham, I think so. No, Sheringham was yeah, the one Sheringham who scored. Was the only one who scored. Yeah, yeah, and I remember because I was wondering why. We had, uh, I think, did we take off Dean Ashton at that point? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We took off Dean Ashton and we brought on Bobby Z. And I always thought, oh, my God, why, why, why did we take off Dean Ashton? Because I was a big fan. If, <laughs> if anybody remembers back then, like, there was a time where that Dean Ashton was considered to be, like, what Harry Kane has become for England right now. Yeah. Like, Dean Ashton was a hopeful for being that guy, the number nine England had always wanted since Alan Shearer. Yeah. Oh my God, so many memories. But I think that was all part of, you know, being a West Ham fan. I mean, Adoks, you've been a West Ham fan more, I think, longer than I have, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, and you know that that when it be when, like, we have a lot of new fans right now. Yeah. And I, 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 and again, I have no problems with whatever reason that they have chosen to follow West Ham. But then, once you know how the feeling of us <laughs> getting relegated. And yeah. then us getting up again and then get relegated. Like we were a yo-yo club at one point and then we've become a solid team now. And uh, yeah, I think that that actually has strengthened my status as a West Ham fan. Because you feel different when you've gone through this and you feel like, oh God, I've been in the trenches with West Ham. Like I trusted these guys and then I trust them for like, you know, to get back into the Premier League and it happened. And uh, a lot of cult heroes also. And that, that is a beautiful part of our club. A lot of cult heroes. Uh, Ricardo Vaste, when we got uh, this thing promoted again. I think 11 season, right? 11-12 season. Uh, yeah. The, the oh. year we got promoted against Black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 10-11 was when we got promoted. And huh. he scored the goal in the... He scored the final I, goal in the playoff yeah. final. 
and uh, yeah, when it comes to trophies, I didn't, it didn't, it never really affected me so much that we didn't get the trophies, as it, it was always more about the identity of the club and how we've, you know, we did well on the pitch or not. And I, there was always a feeling of we never really had the squad to actually go after trophies or, and when we did, we had some issues or the other, like when we had Village and we had that great team under Paye. Yeah. Or, uh, oh, <laughs> but. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's it's uh, it's a roller coaster of emotions supporting this club. Fortune's always hiding, like we say, and, yeah, and uh, bubbles always bursting. And <laughs> bubbles always bursting. I hope I hope we don't go through another relegation dogfight. Um, I don't think so. Not this season. Not this season, right? Which brings us to yeah. which brings us to the next segment of this podcast, which uh, which is discussing this season and more particularly the Liverpool game um, two nights ago till right. the 85th minute comfortable more or less comfortable I would say uh, as much as we could be against Liverpool taking one point away from Anfield I was very pleased what did you think? If, if we had you mean if we had taken one point away if from we had Anfield. taken the one point yeah yeah, yeah. Actually, I I thought we played a brilliant game in terms of because uh, we missed like when you look at the run of games that we had, which was so successful yeah. against Leicester, against Wolves, and to be honest, even though we lost to Arsenal, we had a really good game against them too, following right. the same formula. I think uh, Antonio was such a huge part of that, right? To yeah. be a part of that, like for that system to work, and considering that, and considering that Liverpool. Uh, it's Liverpool. I mean, uh, we did really well. I think the, for our and and we actually had chances to score and win. So I actually look at that and I think, oh yeah, we did a really good performance. And yeah, it was a little bit gut wrenching to finally lose at the like at the end, like we always do against Liverpool apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but then yeah, as performance goes, I'm happy with the performance mostly mostly like there are certain players that i thought could have done better and uh, but uh, as a performance yeah sebastian alla being the the key the main culprit when it comes to i think he could have probably done a bit better he seems uh, to be getting the most stick amongst anyone out there isn't he i mean is this his first Premier League game of the season? First Premier League start, at least. I'm no, sure. yeah, start, start. Yes, he yeah. scored when he came on last. Yeah, he right? scored against uh, yeah. Wolves, right? Yes, but yeah, he came on. It's his first start. It's against Liverpool. Do you think it's still fair to say Sebastian Haller give us what Antonio is giving, score the goals immediately? You know this, and I think this is a time for our listeners to know this. Uh, Ash, if if you're listening to this, shout out to you. <laughs> Normally, Ash in our uh, Indian Hammers group is, I wouldn't say he's a hater. I'd say that he's been very disappointed with Haller so far. Yeah. And perfectly so. I understand his point of view. And for the most part, I'm the guy who's kind of optimistic in terms of, you know, we can do better with him. And I think we haven't really... Uh, play to his strengths, to be honest, to be fair to him. And I think it's a little bit unfair to be completely like, uh, like if you notice in the player ratings that I did after the match, I did score Haller like the lowest, I think he scored him 5.5. Yeah. But that was more in terms of like how he actually impacted the game. But I really think that even that game, I don't, I wouldn't judge him too harshly because he, 
we didn't play to his strengths there. I mean, I think Moyes came into that game thinking that we needed to get them on the counter and he kind of isolated Haller up there, right? Like, uh, I don't know whether he wanted him to play the Antonio role, but he cannot play the Antonio role. That's not something that Haller is made to do. He's, um, I, he's not as good as Latan, but he is supposed to play a bit like how Zlatan plays. In terms of like, you know, being the guy up front using his uh, strength. But that's where I criticized him because there were a lot of times if you noticed, and I think everybody did who's a Hammer fan, like 50-50s, he was always like sluggish to get to the ball or the defender, uh, who, who is the, was it Phillips? The, the Liverpool guy who yeah, was brought the, in. The new guy. Yeah. He beat him to almost every ball. It wasn't even like a 50-50 chance and they were both like hitting each other and he got muscled out. Yeah. Like a lot of times, Phillips got to the ball first. Like the ball is coming and Hallis is waiting for the ball. And uh, and I and the thing is, here's the thing. I, I actually have played with strikers similar to Haller. And I kind of know how, like how he feels in the situation. Like with his, he's the type of guy I think who needs confidence in himself like he he needs to have a feeling that okay the team needs me and i need to perform for the team or something like that like he uh, he he's french <laughs> yeah but i don't think there is a bigger opportunity to feel like the team needs you than being at anfield being the only legitimate striker in a squad of 25 and right. then having been given the opportunity to lead the line Sure, it's easy to, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to say that he's not been played in the system that he can thrive on. But right. you cannot be a one-system striker in today's game, can you? No, completely true. I, Antonio I, I is not. Antonio fits into a lot of systems. Jamie Vardy fits into a lot of systems. Harry Kane fits into a lot of systems. And right. This guy at 45 million pounds was supposed to be, if not your Harry Kane, if not your Jamie Vardy, supposed to be at a level that would be measured against them. No, see, here's the thing. I don't really hold the 45 million against him because that wasn't really his choice to go for 45 million. I don't think he's a 45 million word striker, to be honest. Uh, his highest goal output was 15 goals and that was the last season he had before he joined us, where he had 15 goals and 9 assists for uh, Frankfurt. And uh, it, it, if you look at the games, that he, the way he played when he was at Frankfurt in that season, it was a combination of the entire team doing well. Like the team was revolving around him and stuff. Now, the thing is, I understand what you're saying when it comes to Haller. I don't think, I, my, my issue is not in terms of, I don't think it's a system issue. As such, is it's a man management issue. Because I'm a bit... Um, uh, where our identity as a club has been kind of confused for a bit, right? Like there was a period where I thought we got confused, especially with Pellegrini at the helm. Uh, the thing is, the, the Davids kind of, and most of David Sullivan, kind of wanted us to become a European class team. Correct? And the thing is, West Ham has always been about characters who fought against adversity before. And you can't have characters who fight against adversity when you have overflated... Uh, inflated uh, price tags coming on and giving them kind of like a security blanket as such. Like if you look at Antonio, classic example, like he has that do or die mentality, right? It, like if, if the manager, if the gaffer told him that, okay, you know what, we're probably going to play this way and it's going to be a draw that we would really be happy with. I still think Antonio would 
individually he'd make the choice to, you know, I'm still going to try my best to get the best out of this. I think Haller is the type of guy who, if if the manager sets up in a certain way, like let's say Moyes, I'm not I'm not saying that he did, but if Moyes had given the kind of indication that you know we're not really going for the win, we just need to really do well against them performances, he's he doesn't get motivated by that. I think that's the thing with Haller. I think he needs man management on a personal level, and this has happened with other strikers in the past, in uh, like with Cantona and this thing, like. Man managers, I think that's where we have always failed in terms of our managers. We don't really have really good man managers at times. We have people who come in and who have a particular idea, but they don't really know how to deal with a lot of these uh, different mentality people. I think Haller needs to be, and I know this sounds even more like he's a luxury guy, but yeah, he is a luxury guy and yeah. I, I think he he's more look I look at what he has as attributes. He's got a brilliant first touch when he is feeling it. That's a thing because when you look at that game, he had poor touches everywhere and he couldn't really hold the ball. But in his best, at his best, I've seen him do really well against big striker, big big defenders, and I've seen him have a brilliant first touch. And I don't know how a player can just lose that. I don't think you can lose it. I just think it's a mentality issue when it comes to Haller. Does he have a future with us though? Is it? I think you've seen the Liverpool game now because I asked uh, Tahir in the first episode as well, and uh, that was before the Liverpool game happened. And Tahir, uh, I think, quite rightly mentioned that look, he does have the qualities. Maybe we need to give him more time. Yeah. Does that change I think... a little after you've seen his performance at Liverpool? No, I think we really need to look at how he performs against Fulham and uh, West Brom also. I think he really needs to be given these two games to see. I know Ash is going to say he plays against the Minos, he does well against the Minos. But I think, guys, <laughs> there are certain players who need that, you know, who need that run of form to be able to get it going yeah. and to see how they uh, do. Once they get ahead of steam, they do really well. And I think that's the type of guy Aller is. I mean... Uh, it, it happened with Arnautovic also, if you remember correctly. There was a period where when we used him as a striker and he had an easy run of games initially and he he capitalized on that and he went on to become the talismanic guy. That yeah. yeah. I think these next two, uh, next three games, like Fulham, oh wait, it wasn't West Brom. Fulham, I think Sheffield, right? Sheffield, Sheffield is the game after yes. Fulham. Yeah, and then yeah, I think Fulham and Sheffield are going to be do or die for him, to be honest. The uh, Villa too, actually, because these three games are games where he should be able to do it in terms of everything. Because I think we will be going all out. Two home games also among those three. We ha- we will be attacking in our... I-, I think we will be attacking in our approach. I think if he doesn't perform in these three, then I will join the Ash bandwagon that, okay, Hannah is not good enough to be with us. <laughs> Speaking of the other side of the attacking spectrum, which was uh, Liverpool's and hmm. um, Mo Salah's penalty. What right. do you think about it? Masuaku at fault there, soft penalty or clear dive? Uh, see, we have to adapt, I guess. We have to kind of adjust to how the game has become. I Personally, I think Salah made the most of it. 
right? Yeah. I think Salah made the most of it. You can see, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy, Graeme Souness. He himself said, and he's a Liverpool, ex-Liverpool player and a Liverpool supporter. And he said that Salah, the way he fell wasn't natural. And uh, he personally wouldn't have given the penalty. So that, that speaks volumes. But at the same time, with the game as it is right now, right? Yeah. And with how it is, I think I'm one of the very few people, especially among West Ham fans, who thought that, you know what? See, the, the thing is for me, the litmus test when it comes to these situations is look at the reaction of the guy who is supposed to be the culprit. And Masuaku looked as guilty as heck when, yeah. he, when he went in this. Because there was contact. It was not... The, whether the contact was enough to make Salah fall like that is a different uh, thing. But there was contact. And you could see that Masuaku had gone in there a little bit carelessly and he did hit. And Oh my God, the look on his face, he didn't, like, he looked back at the referee like he was like a child who had dropped a ice cream. And he really, like, I don't know, so it, it looked like he was, yeah, the he referee. Didn't, he didn't look convinced himself. Like, yeah, there he, are people who just immediately shout at the person who's dived in. Yeah, yeah. And, like, immediately look at the ref and say, what the heck, why is he diving or something like that. But Masoko just like put up his hands and looked at the ref and didn't say a thing. So I was like, oh my God, looking at his reaction, I thought, okay, he, there was contact and yeah, I think that was a pen. In today's game, in today's game, that was a pen. If, 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 if it was any other thing, like especially if it was a local game that I played in, I would have called bullshit and I would have said no. But I think in today's game, unfortunately, with VAR and everything, that is unfortunately a pen. And I think Salah made the most of it, but yeah, you can't really blame him for that. I mean, he got the goal in the end for them. Yep, that's true. What about the second goal? Because I didn't think of this at all when the second goal went in. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. the only thought I had was, my God, that's a great pass. Because, yeah. I mean, all of our defenders, all of our players were rooted to their, rooted to the ground and there was nobody moving except the ball and I don't know who, who scored the final goal. Uh, your Yeah. Right now, but then later when I was reading up on it, there was quite a few opinions which tilted to the fact that there was a Liverpool player obstructing Fabianski's view, as well as interfering with the state of play. Because I think Sadio Mane was offside. There's yeah. no question that Mane was in an offside position. But do you think the ball being played to Diallo Yota with Mane in that position should it have been called off? Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea about this before too. I mean, until you've mentioned it now, I, I, I had no idea about this. But then I remember the situation and I yeah. saw quick highlights of the thing before we had the podcast. And I think no, I. that was a brilliant team goal. And I think Mane was offside for sure. But so if you look at the referee's handbook in these type of situations, the player being offside, if, if he makes a movement to obstruct another player from getting to the ball or interferes with play directly, then yes, it can be counted as that. But Mane did nothing because he, he was offside, but he had his hands lifted. And to be honest, no, I don't think he was really obstructing the point, the view of uh, Fabianski. That was just a brilliant goal. I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that chance to say that 
I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if this isn't what everyone was expecting me to say, but no, I, I think that was a good goal. I don't think we should take that away from them. No, but let's be fair. If this had happened in the 85th minute to West Ham on the other side of the pitch, VAR would have ruined it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that's a different thing. That's a different question, yeah. yeah I mean, that would have probably happened like 80 times out of 100, yeah. that would have happened. I've, I've, I've just gotten tired of watch. I just find excuses to bring them into conversations. <laughs> just last Disappointed. I think especially last year with the number of uh, handballs that went against us. Oh, yeah. Declan oh, my God. Mikel Antonio. Antonio at one point said he's just going to cut off his arms and play. Dude, I remember why, when the game he said that. Like, there was a... He was running... And the ball hadn't, like, the way it touched his hand was like, it actually hit his thigh. Yeah. And his hand happened to be, like, when you're running and your hand is near your thigh. And his hand was there. It wasn't as if it even affected the ball's trajectory. Yeah. And that was given off a handball. I was like, oh, my God. That, that, how is that given against? That, that was pissing off. <laughs> to be honest. I mean- They've, they've changed the rules a little, I guess, this year. I, I still don't understand the rules, to be honest. And, but I, at least... I don't think it's VAR, it, actually. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm actually kind of pro-VAR in the sense that I think VAR needs to be implemented. But at the same time, I think it's the general, the officials who are so incompetent at times. I don't understand how an official can look at that. Like, there are some really dubious handball decisions that were made in other games this season too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that rule, that they, the change that they made initially where they said anything below the sleeve. Sleeve, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they changed that. Like, I think about uh, five or four game weeks into it. Yeah, they, they had a review of it and they said, no. I'm like, look, it, you're, you guys are supposed to be the referees who have experience in terms of how the game is and you've officiated. Why would you, why would you introduce a rule that was so flawed that you yourself reviewed it just three or four game weeks in yeah. and then changed it? I think it's just like the referees want to have the stamp of authority put in like, okay, we need to show our stuff here, right? I think that always, and, and it's so easier for them to make a decision against teams like us yeah. because we don't have the, uh, I don't know, the, the political pull as uh, Liverpool or a Man City or a Man United would. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, No, I think it's just the officiating which is really horrible in the Premier League at times. That's that's true. We and we've we always seem to get the worst. Yeah, definitely. Come but you know, there's a thing. There's yeah. a thing. There's one thing though. Remember that VAR also helped us in this game. The second, like the the it Liverpool had actually Jota's. It was actually Jota's second goal which yeah. became. The, <laughs> yeah. Like the first goal was ruled. Uh, like it was a foul, right? I think they said that Mane foul. Fabianski, I think. Fabianski, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really good. I mean, that that that, that situation, I was like, yeah, that's that's a good decision by VAR. Yeah, I was surprised point. we got it. I was very surprised <laughs> we got it. I'm always. No, I tell you why. Yeah. I I think because the referee actually, and this is something that I think generally in Premier League they should do more often. I mean, you have VAR, and in every other league, the referees always go to the side monitor and yeah. have a review. Instead of just listening to the guy on the headphone. Yeah. Because th- there was a whole segment on, I think it was ESPN or something, where they were talking about how uh, the referee 
who is speaking to them on the headphone is actually the actual referee because at the end it's his decision which looks like always going like i don't know why the referees don't do that often he d- the referee did that in our case for yeah. the second like the the one which the liverpool goal which got uh, disqualified he actually went to the side uh, monitor and he had a look at it and he decided okay it's not so that was good because it always makes you feel better when the referee goes and has a look at it personally instead of just listening to a guy's opinion on the thing or else it just becomes a person's second opinion there that's true that's true i think a lot more referees uh, i think they've been instructed as well this year to go to the side yeah yeah they don't do it but yeah they've been instructed yeah, they do hopefully they put their egos aside and realize that look it's okay to make a mistake so long as you you correct it immediately it's fine yeah speaking of some sort of good news our tough run of fixtures are finally over <laughs> uh, we've got eight points from fixtures if you'd asked me at the start of the season i would have said we would have got at the most my bet i think for this point of the season was we'd have three points so mm-hmm. there's five additional points there which i did not think we would have which which uh, did you did you think we'd get three draws or did you think we'd win against somebody <laughs> no i thought <laughs> i thought we'd win against newcastle <laughs> <laughs> uh, we so all know the result wrong <laughs> essentially <laughs> i got every result wrong so my only three points were for the newcastle game and uh, but we have eight points now which is uh, quite fantastic considering the run of fixtures we've had yep and we now have Fulham, Sheffield United, Villa, Manchester United, and Leeds. Those are our next five. But our next three. Let's focus on that, because that does seem easier. Month of November compared to what yeah. we've got for the last few weeks, hasn't? Yeah, for sure, completely easier. And where do you think we're going to go in terms of tactics and Moyes's uh, game plan in these three games? because i don't think we can follow the sit back relax and counter attack mentality against a fulham who will also be doing a similar strategy right you're not going to yeah. have teams playing a possession game against us in the next 3 games it's not going True. to be how it was with liverpool it's not going to be how it was with city or leicester who take the game to us and we can be defensive we can be organized at the back and then pull a move off uh, in use our speed on the counter what does moyes have to do villa might yes yeah villa might actually to be honest doing that yeah. uh, but uh, uh, i see how long has uh, how many times have you seen in moyes's duration has he switched up tactics regarding <laughs> the team oh man <laughs> and fulham has this during a game when we need him to either <laughs> yeah exactly especially when it comes to subs and everybody knows how what i feel about him and his subs <laughs> oh my god uh i think um ideally if i was if if i wanted to make some changes to the system ideally i would think that we we really become we 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 can start attacking i think we can we can shift from a 5 uh 4-1 which is how we've been playing yeah and actually go to a 433 now because we have brilliant wingers actually right now right especially ben rama because even though he came on for a very short while he i think he looked te- like technically really sharp yeah. he looked really good on the ball in that brief amount of time that he had against liverpool 
have Ben Rama on the left, have Hala playing in the center, and have uh, Bowen on the right. Wait, <coughs> sorry, sorry. And uh, uh, Bowen on the right. And I think we can really push forward in that way and have Fornals play in the center as a camp. Yeah, I think I think we need to go and we need to attack. Like you said, we can't really expect them to. Fulham and Sheffield, they're not gonna they're not gonna try to take the game to us. Yeah. Fulham especially because they're going through a horrible run of fixtures <laughs> right now. Yeah, and, I feel uh, bad for Scott Parker, don't you? I mean, uh, dude, he was actually uh, he's still my pick for the best. Even though Rice is getting there, he's yeah. still the best central midfielder I've ever seen in. West Ham and I, I have a special place in my heart for him but yeah, uh, yeah I feel really bad for him <laughs> with Fulham performing the way they are and uh, but then you know to have a to have a team which looks like they're going to relegation and taking our spot I'm happy for that so <laughs> a selfish way that yeah, yeah that's true I think and, and the thing about Fulham is he ha- they have one of those players who would probably tend to turn up against us. Mitrovic, right? Mitrovic, yeah. Yeah. They have a guy who looks like he might suddenly choose our game to suddenly do really well. Yeah. And um, and defensively, actually, they have improved in the past few games. Uh, they, their new keeper, Ariola, who's on loan from PSG. Yeah. Uh, he's really show, helped uh, put some confidence into their back line. And I think... We need to be on the front foot, and you're right. We need to really change our system rather than just go for a four, five, four, one again, because Haller does not work in a five, four, one. And if we're playing him up front, yeah. like I can excuse it when we're playing against Liverpool, because yeah, it's Liverpool. But yeah. if we're playing against Fulham and Sheffield, if we don't take the initiative, then we are completely culpable for whatever happens, right? If if we capitulate against them or if the game becomes a dud, yeah. which honestly I think could happen against the Moyes, but uh, that will be completely our fault. So I, I'm really looking forward to Moyes making a shift in the tactics against Fulham at least and see how that goes. But you want to change or move away from a three or a five at the back and shift back Against the four? teams like these. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you in terms of we can't do that against teams like Fulham and Sheffield. Yeah. Like it works brilliantly against teams like Leicester or Liverpool or uh, Man City who are going to take the te- like who are going to at least try to be the on the front foot against us. But yeah. we need to be like and there's also feeling like okay, if we really think that we are a mid-table team, right? An upper mid-table team then we need to be able to take that onus to be able to go forward and attack. Because if we don't have the confidence to do that, then we don't deserve to be in the top mid, in the upper mids, yeah. to be honest. If we don't have the guts to say that, you know what, we're facing Fulham, we're facing Sheffield, we are better than them when it comes to attacking, we need to take that front foot. Then if we don't have the guts to do that, then we don't deserve to be in the top 10. That's my, that's my view at it. Yeah. No, fair enough. I get that. I get that. Let's see what Moez does. Quite frankly, I think we're both clear on the fact that Moyes probably will not do a drastic <laughs> up. <laughs> and fingers uh, crossed, dude. I mean, fingers crossed. Let's let's hope, let's hope he does. But uh, just to wrap this up, your prediction for the Fulham game, and uh, who would your eleven starting eleven be? Okay. Um, this is my starting eleven, right? Not what I think Boys is going to do. No, uh, not starting eleven. Yeah. 
starting from the goalkeeper, then your defenders, then your midfield, and then uh, your strikers or striker. Right. Uh, 4-3-3 is what I want to go for. Uh, Fabianski, obviously, in goal. Yep. And is that a good uh, season. He's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ogbonna and uh, Diop. But I actually don't think... Uh, Bal- I think Balbona has done well in the past few games. So, I don't mind if Balbona gets in there as well. Yeah. Ogbonna and uh, Balbona. Although, uh, Balbona's lack of pace will be more... We keep thinking that, he really has adapted, hasn't he? He's done well. Do you remember the goal which he conceded against this one? <laughs> against Son? Because that was completely where he got beat for pace completely. I mean, barring the first 15 minutes but, of one game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's done well. So, Ogbuena and Balbuena. Okay. Let's go with that because they are in form. And yeah. Sufal on the right, for sure. Sufal yeah. has been brilliant for me. And uh, on the left, I'd actually give Cresswell still the start because I think uh, he gives a more uh, defensively strong option than Masuaku does. Okay. Um, then I'd go for, and this is my pick, I would really want the wingers to be Ben Rama and Bowen. Um, okay. Because I think Ben Rama has some really good, this is the match where he's going to show like how he can do. The center, it would be Sujak and Rice again, which is, I don't think anybody would want to switch any of those two out right now or any yeah. system that we play. Yeah. Sujak and Rice and Fornals playing as a cam. Because I think that's where he should be actually best at. Fornals playing as a cam okay. and Haller up front. So, this so is that's a, my... 4-4-1-1? Four, four, one, one? No, 4-3-3. Four, three, three. Four, three, or a 4-2-3-1 four, two, four, two, actually, to be honest. Yeah, 4-2-3-1. Yeah, 4-2-3-1. Yeah. Because the, the way I was picturing it was a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one with for now, slotting in right behind Hala. But, huh. okay. I get what you're saying. Uh, what's the bet that Moez goes with that? <laughs> I'd bet my house on it right now. That Moez will, uh, will not do this. <laughs> Dude, he did this in, in the league game though, right? In the league I, cup, I think he, he went 4-4-1 four, four, one, four, one, one at one point. Yeah, but let's, let's see. Let's see. Uh, and your prediction for the game? 3-1. To us, I hope. To us. 3-1 <laughs> with Haller scoring two. All and right. uh, Mitrovic getting the sole goal for Fulham. Okay. And uh, yeah. And the third goal, either Fornals again or Ben Rama, hopefully. Oh, it'll be great to see Ben Rama on the score sheet. It'll actually be great yeah. to just see Ben Rama get some real minutes in. <laughs> but <laughs> I think Moez is doing to him what he did to Bavin as well. I think Bavin didn't start for the, I mean, did not get proper time for the longest time. Yeah, he didn't. But look at how that turned out, right? Yeah. So I guess Moez knows what he's doing. You got to give him. Yeah, with these there. championship players. Yeah, you, yeah, I think I think he knows how to deal with these particular championship yeah. players. If Ben Rama has the same mentality that Bowen does, I think yeah. this could work. This could, this could. Yeah. Turn into a very little combination if we have a striker who can capitalize on. <laughs> yeah. I think it could. Okay, Mike, it was great having you on. Thank you once again for everyone for listening into our second episode of the Indian Hammers podcast. And we will be back with our next episode immediately after the game against Fulham this weekend. So, Mike, thank you once again and uh, make sure you subscribe to our channels. We're available on all major podcasts 
and the links will be available on our Twitter as well as Instagram feeds. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you for having me, dude. Thank you. Thanks again. 